0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast, Podcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin Sully, one of your co-hosts on today's show. The other one is on the screen next to me. We are internet buddies. It's Lincoln Shrike. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's going well. You've been busy. Your day yesterday was filled with talking to fast people, right?
1: Yeah, we got a chance or i got a chance to talk with josh thompson and carissa Switzer about the races at boston uh in february both ran really really impressive times Switzer got the american record in the 3k thompson ran 334 and was as he said pretty close to the american record in the indoor 1500 however rare it is uh run of a distance um but the one thing that that kind of struck me about talking to them is just both of them saying how long ago it seemed Running those races mm-hmm. for them, given the way the world has changed for them. So, uh, Chris Weiser said it's like she got nervous watching her race, knowing watching her going back and forth with Shelby Hoolahan, even though she knew the outcome of of the race. So it was <laughs> just really cool to watch them uh, do that. I don't think other than Morgan, when we did it did it with Morgan McDonald uh, a couple of years ago, watching him together with his watch his uh, NCAA cross country win. Other than that, I don't think I'd ever done that with an athlete. So it, w- it was cool to see see them react and kind of watch the smiles come up as they saw certain moments. And, and you know, Krista Swiser said she had watched the race a couple of times, but it had been a while. And so seeing it back, mm-hmm. I think, was a uh, was a unique experience for her, seeing all the back and forth between her and Shelby Houlihan. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Normally, it's you and I doing that who are not involved in the races but we try to highlight moments that we think were interesting or significant how is this other than the fact that they were in the race the types of things that they were bringing up how is it different from mm-hmm. how you and I would analyze the race did you notice any anything that was dramatically different
1: well obviously you get insight into what the the game plan was specifically from from the coach and, you know, I was talking to Chris Switzer about we're seeing Jerry Schumacher on the side saying, calm down the pace. And she's saying, you know, I could feel the pace is, is, is really, really fast. So I understand why he's doing that. But at the same time, you know, you're watching and it's, it's not necessarily, you know, you can remember back your time as an athlete, even if you weren't even close to the level of these, these specific ones that we're highlighting even when it's too fast and your coach is telling you to slow down, you get kind of a rush of adrenaline and, and excitement when you're like, oh, it's too fast. That's, that's good. Cause I feel good. And that's why I kind of what she was saying uh, to me, one thing I, I noticed specifically with Kweiser, though, is kind of like the, the, the insecurities that you have to cope with as a teammate of someone of high profile. Not in the past is like, do you, go ahead and just concede a victory to shelby hoolahan and obviously you don't want to do that but how do you overcome that mentally when at, you know onlookers are saying oh it's shelby hoolahan whenever she gets kicking it's over and swizer admitted you know that that she has to fight those things as well and she had to fight that in this american record race of saying no i'm i'm someone that uh can hang with her but at the same mm-hmm. time she knows that it's not going to be an everyday thing that she's going to beat Shelby Houlihan. She's saying there's been many workouts with the Bowerman Track Club where Shelby is just in an entirely different league. So you start to get that in your mindset. Like she was saying, I start to get that in my mind. Like, I don't know if I can beat her, especially in a kick. And so she's saying, you know, having to fight that and, and fight that and be in the, that specific moment uh, was something that she was proud of herself for kind of overcoming. Um, not that she's, you know, rooting against Shelby Houlihan, but it, it's a unique balance to strike when being a friend and training partner by while, while also mm-hmm. competing against someone that's gonna be your primary competition every time you race them. So uh, just getting her inside the mind of like how many things she's thinking about during a race and e- even for a professional athlete of her caliber, kind of having to fight back on the negativity uh, that just slowly creeps in your mind over the course of a race i mean i think anyone can relate to that even a a professional all the way down to a high schooler. so i don't know it was the the psychology of kind of each lap was just interesting so when when those go up on the side i think it'll be a a cool watch for anyone kind of wanting to look and see what goes on in an athlete's mind when they're in a high profile race yeah the schweizer one and the josh hobson one will be up in the
0: couple days, or today even actually, right? We're going to try to get one of those up today and then another yeah. one this weekend. That's, that's mm-hmm. the plan. While you were doing that, I was simulating the Doha Diamond League, a very serious assignment that I <laughs> dove in and really put my heart and soul into. So similar, similar type of work that we've been doing, you and I.
1: So I'm curious how you went about this. How did you decide who you were going to include? We don't know who was going to run... What Diamond League, if there would have been a Doha Diamond League, the first one usually is, you know, people want to get off if they they want to get the season started. So it would, it would have been an mm-hmm. Olympic year. The World Championships were just in Doha, so maybe some nostalgia for some folks. You figure a lot of athletes would have attended this first Diamond League if it would have happened. But did you just stay down the fairway and look at in the past of? Athletes that basically run every diamond league and you know, you know they're gonna be there. And then how did how did you figure out who was gonna be at that meet?
0: Well, there's been over 20 Doha Diamond Leagues. So what I did was I looked at the past results, who showed up from what country. I did a quick regression analysis uh to extrapolate <laughs> their world ranking. To, no, I made the whole thing up. Of course I made oh, it up. Okay. on Lincoln. Okay, uh, cool. Well, okay. Cool. So they had they had announced, they had announced some people. Right. So obviously Mutaz was going to high jump, actually yeah. the day before he was going to do a street high jump. That's where the high jump was going to be at the Qatar oh, Cultural wow. Center, which you and I never went to despite being you in Doha for two weeks. We did not get the Qatar Cultural Center. I was hoping it was going to be – I had to Google this. I was hoping that it was going to be at the same spot where the marathon was in front of that shrine platform, the oh, Prince of yeah. Palace. As the, the Prince of those Palace security yeah, The Corniche, yeah, yeah. But it's Damn. it's a different part of town. So, Muchaz yeah. is in. Uh, Kovacs v. Krauser was was already set. Anderson Peters was going to throw the jab. Obiri oh. was committed. Chip Koich was committed, even though there was no women's steeple listed. There was a men's steeple listed. So, I just included both of those. Um, I mean, I included, I played the hits, right? I played the hits of the 3000s, probably going to be the fastest 3000 of the year, unless there's a pre classic 3000. <laughs> Uh, because you know it's going to happen. There's going to be shots in the crowd of Ethiopian and Kenyan fans going crazy next to huge empty seats. Um, uh, I I revealed some little-known information, which is that Timothy Chariot loved his time in Doha. He did so well, he didn't jinx it. He actually never left. He stayed there the entire time from October, November, December, January, February, April. Spoiler alert, I will give that one away. He did win the simulated Fifteen hundred. Not a lot of people showed up for the men's four hundred. Um, there was some revenge races. Ajay Wilson did show up in the eight hundred, so you'll have to tune in mm. to see what happened there. Um, geez, what else happened? This was Bryce Hopple's. This was his first of what I simulated the entire season, but I'm just giving him away chunks of time. This was the first of his forty outdoor races. <laughs> so.
1: Big. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the guy, the guy on. only, only knows how to race a ton, so that that makes sense, and he's going to get it started as early as possible in the first Diamond League. It makes all the sense in the world.
0: And there was a new Diamond, which we already knew going in because they had a new sponsor, so they revamped the Diamond. So I, I discussed that a little bit as well, too, and the ramifications for the new Diamond in, in this new world. But we're going to have to wait to see the new Diamond. Uh, Pre-Classic, though, still isn't canceled. I just I, I checked yeah. the website. Yeah and we're still listed there.
1: 6 weeks away or maybe a little over, 7, yep. 6.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: doke. Uh,
0: I've been uh, I've been communicating with some people in in Eugene. Uh, I don't think anybody thinks it's going to happen, but I think it and but no one's made a statement <laughs> to the to, to the contrary. Um mm-hmm. obviously construction construction has slowed a bit because of the new precautions as well too but there's some interesting there's interesting dynamics with Hayward next year because once it's built assuming there's gonna be a full sports schedule next year um they're gonna want to host a lot of meets because they built this thing for a reason but uh it'll be interesting like Pac-12s was supposed to be there this year do they give it back to them NCAAs is supposed to move to Hayward but do you give it to Austin one more year or you just shift the calendar forward Obviously, trials are going to be there and then the fall and Prefontaine will be there. And then the following year, the World Championships will be, Championships will be there. But um, yeah, they're going to want to have good meets and not just um, one person was saying, not just regular big, like not just pre classic and stuff, but other like meets in April, right? Other meets in May that are going to attract people to go there to really beef up that home schedule.
1: The irony that it would be. <laughs> If, I mean, I don't envision this happening, but it would be very uh, ironic if, for whatever reason, there was approval given to have the Prefontaine Classic in June. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. It was just not going to be ready as a country. But if that they were given the go-ahead and then the stadium wasn't ready, uh <laughs> would be kind of a perfect perfect situation. I'm sure you would love that. Um, they move it to outside. Yeah. Mouth, y- yeah. <laughs> Pretty classic, uh, live Dunaway Dunaway Park, Dunaway Park in Portland. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I guess I've been operating under the assumption that Austin's had its run, and the cancellation was going to wipe out NCAA's for next year. I mean, would have, you know, it's just cause they're going to move it to Hayward Field, and I imagine. I, I know the NCAA has nothing to do with the World Championships in, in you know, or or this new Hayward Field Stadium, but i think that's enough motivation to just say okay austin had its had its run sorry it got canceled but uh it, we're gonna move to hayward and you know mm-hmm. i don't know why why hayward necessarily would have that power over over austin but it's just i don't know it just seems like that that makes the the most sense and uh they could be like, well, we spent all this money on the stadium and Phil Knight can maybe come in. I don't know. I have no idea what's going well, on. I haven't thought. Th- there's so many th- like scenarios I'm realizing as I live my day-to-day life where I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't thought what they're going to do about that when the re- world returns to normal. You know, there's just so many things like that. And it, and it, it, uh, it everything will have to be reallocated or, you know, distributed. Yeah. Well, if- and there's going to be some people left out for sure. If you use that
0: same precedent of just pushing it forward, then that would mean Pac-12 wouldn't be there. But I I mean, it's different entities that are deciding that. Maybe the Pac-12 conference will come together and be like, hey, hey, Hayward's ready to roll. They want to get this meet going. I wanted to touch on some news topics. And one of them, because we've been doing a lot of one-off episodes this week, but there has been some news. And one of them was that Seb Co said that there could be an abbreviated outdoor season that would go from October – Sorry, August to October, he said to the independent quote, we know that different countries are at different stages of managing this pandemic. So we're trying to give a structure. I uh, saw that come across Ray Flynn at the agents, uh, Twitter feed. So August to October there, mm-hmm. which I guess isn't completely yeah. outside their own possibility. The question is how many months will athletes have had to train? How many athletes are gonna be willing to travel?
1: Yeah, that, that yeah, there's still questions to be answered there. You know, just like I was talking at to the top, mentioned talking to, Krista Swiser yesterday. She said if there's races, she's going to have interest in doing them, whether they're time trials and they're in the United States or I don't, you know, if there's the ability to travel and it's safe. Athletes are going to have the interest of race. It makes sense when you say it, but I I didn't know with no with basically anything of significance. Postpone until next year and then even Olympic qualifying out the window, uh, until December, I thought, uh, eh, m- maybe there's like going to be little to no interest, but I think athletes still want to get, get out there. And as she said, kind of get that gauge, get check in to see where they're at, uh, with fitness, which yeah. I, I think is going to be the, the, across the board, kind of the motivating factor for, for some athletes to, uh, to want to compete. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting to see which. Do they shuffle
0: meets back in the calendar? Do they just keep the ones that are there? Do you just have Zurich and Brussels stand in? Of course, that's going to be very tough too, because we just don't know where this is going to go. Like, like a country that's already had it and then is past the peak and is fine for three or four or five months. I mean, are they still going to want to assemble a crowd? Or is this going to be one of those sporting events that people have talked about where there's going to be. No crowd, and it's just going to be athletes only. It, you know, the we talked. I think the last time we were on the pod about the baseball idea, right? I mean, that's basically impossible to do in track and field because it's not yeah. a team competing in a season. And, um but also, just the the training stuff is still so interesting to me. I watched a ESPN had a video. I don't know, and an article, did you see with Allison Felix? Um, I hadn't seen that. And she, well, she was talking about getting you know kicked off the track, right? And she's literally, she has a wheel. And she's literally wheeling out a distance on a street in oh, wow. Santa Clarita, like a suburban street too, where there's, you know, we've seen this shot a million times, right? Like a lot of us grew up in the suburbs, you know, you got, uh, these homes on, on either side, jam packed together and then cars on both sides parked. And then there's some in the driveway as well too, but it's like, you know, she's running in the middle of this, this, this <laughs> street. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, well, sure. She can get some work in and sure she could stay in fitness. But this is Allison Felix. Like she's gonna want to put spikes on. She's gonna like she's not just jumping into the all comers summer classic, right? At 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 West LA College or at Hayward Field. Like she's gonna try to jump into a diamond league. Like you, she'd probably want to put the spikes on a bit first. But that's like where she's training. So it's hard to envision a a diamond league with the majority of the countries competing uh, until they're at least able to train at a facility for a month or two. Right. I mean, like I just I mean, you're just coming off of base phase at that point. That just seems really tough.
1: Yeah. You're hearing, you know, I think other media talk about baseball saying, could you just start the season with no, uh, you know, truncated spring training? Could you just go straight into the season and people are pushing back and saying, well, the pitchers know they need time to get ready, get their, get their arms ready. (laughs) And I, I kind of find myself listening to that. I mean, I, mean, I I'm thinking like, come on, like, no, they'll be ready to go. It's your job to get ready to go. And then I think of the track and field example where we're going to try to put Allison Felix in a 400 when she hasn't put on spikes in in six months. And then I kind of understand a, a little bit more. But on a side note, if anyone lives in Allison Felix's neighborhood and has a camera and she's willing to uh, let you record a a, uh, calories, a, yeah, yeah. a a Main Street workout Wednesday, uh, we'll take that.
0: Yeah, it was just, it looked like something I would do like I'm doing strides after a run in high school. Like that's what yeah. it reminded me of. Like it was very and and I mean they're still getting out to they talked about getting down to San Vicente Boulevard, which is a popular place for them to train. Bobby kirsty has been going there for years, but those are her distance workouts. Those are her endurance workouts. Like I mean even if you could you find a nice grass field and put on some spikes if you want to do that, I mean you're not getting in blocks, right? Yeah. And it's just there's there's so much injury risk and there's there's so much on the line coming up in the next olympics so i think they're going to be really prepared you talked about baseball players getting ready how about this i, I read this Giannis doesn't have a hoop doesn't have access to yeah a hoop. when's the last when's the last time Giannis has gone four weeks without shooting a basketball in his entire life it's probably um, been a while
1: can he order one from like i don't know who makes spalding does spalding make basketball i mean when i remember when i got Why a basketball in my house when I, okay okay I
0: think he lives I mean, in an I... apartment complex. It's it's where he lives. It's not getting one delivered oh. to. He lives like in he lives like in a, like a high rise apartment complex. Is okay. I what I uh,
1: well, here's let me, let me riddle me this. Uh, I just moved into a house <laughs> during this pandemic. Couldn't I think Giannis could purchase a home <laughs> right now? Listen, I feel show. sympathy for oh. everyone. He, he can come Buy over. Homes? He can he can fly into my yeah. It's the market inefficiency. That's how the Bucks are going to win the title. <laughs> It all depends on him deciding to make a real estate purchase right now, so he he can get a Spalding hoop to be to get put up in his driveway. Uh My point, and no, being,
0: I, yeah, my point, my point being, it's like it's not like oh, this they're good to go back to playing basketball. We can start the games tomorrow. Yeah. They're going to need time. To get, they're going to need time to get ready. He hasn't shot a ball. Like, what if we come yeah. back and like the Pistons are they going to be the NBA champions because they're the only ones who paid attention during? The, like, wow. they all happen to hoops. <laughs> The, Man, your bulls, your bulls make a make a late
1: run. You're, you're zagging. I title. don't think they've been eliminated yet. I don't think they. No, they've been eliminated. I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, I don't know that to be true. It's 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 hard to remember how long ago everything was. I think the bulls can safely say they've been eliminated. Um, yeah, it would, like, sprint time, I mean, and distance times and field events, uh, presumably, would, like, they bring it back, and, like, the first meet is just, like, embarrassing. The women's 200 gets one, one in 24 seconds, and yeah. the men's, the men's, uh, <laughs> the men's 1500 is, like, 355. Like, I don't imagine everyone's that out of shape, but uh, no. seriously, though, they're, like, an injury risk type of a situation, though. Yeah. I, you bring this back, and, like, what is the what is the motivation? And I, I think a point you highlighted was good. Everyone immediately when this quarantine crop kind of worldwide set in, everyone was like, Ooh, this is advantageous for those, for those athletes that were, you know, trying to come back from injury or, you know, someone like Allison Felix who, who had a child in, in 2018. And, you know, last year was her kind of start to the comeback. Oh, this gives her more time. I, I don't think these late phase career athletes, this helps them. They only have a few efforts left in them. Not a few, but you know, they, they, this pushing the calendar back, I think, makes it harder. I think Allison Felix is an example of that. Uh, and plenty of other athletes well, like Wade Van ex-
0: Well, she could be yeah. an exception though, because she was still coming back into form after sure
1: childbirth. But if she's training she, on the on the roads, I you know, I don't yeah, that's not good for someone who has as much mileage on her body, as many races as she does, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean that's I'm just I'm just you know, hypothesizing. I don't know. That's all we do anymore, is just like Make random guesses, and so I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's it's neutral. But I just think, I don't know. here here's what I here's what I
0: here's what I base this off of. Think about a regular non championship year, and this would be this is a non championship year now. Think about how low the turnout is. Then compound that with the fact that you're doing a late season, and it's going to be a quick turnaround to 2021 yeah. because the trials, right, right, and the the Olympics are in the earlier, you know, July, end of July, early August for the Olympics, and then obviously in June for those trials. Uh, what are the incentives? I mean, if there are no – now they might change this. If you can't chase standards, right, or, or other mm-hmm. things like that, like what are the incentives to compete? Um, the risk of obviously getting sick would still exist. International travel would still seem precarious. I just – it, it's tough now. There's a long way to go before then, and think how much the world has changed in just a month, two months. It's it's crazy. So we don't know where it's going to be, but I just think if we take something that we do know and we eliminate the hypothesizing a little bit of just like how many people race in non championship years, and some people do, some people take full full yeah. uh, advantage of it and race a ton, but in a whole we see watered down fields generally.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, I. And maybe if it there's only
0: two meets, they all run them because there's only two, so you can't water them down. It's not spread it overseas. Sure. Maybe they all run. Yeah. But I mean, what, what about the,
1: I mean, every other day on Twitter, I see something, oh, a new Harvard study come out and say, we may have to social distance through 2022. <laughs> like, doesn't this all 20, seem, just, it seems quite ambitious just to be i know we've been like oh absolutely everything will be back by you know the fall we'll be good to go and then the scientists are over here knocking on the door and saying uh hmm. probably not i mean maybe we can do no crowds and uh yeah i think, know, I, I, I just don't know
0: i i think what's an in- interesting thing to look at because a lot of it you're right we don't know right but like look at it is looking at the other sport proposals and seeing how they could apply to track and field right so golf obviously the athletes can say completely separate from themselves so that's you can put that in a different category track can't do that right there's there's this mm-hmm. in, enormous space in golf basketball baseball the the other team sports they could potentially create that system where they're just staying in these empty hotels they're not leaving they're seeing their family and their team and that's it. And they've they've got testing ramped up to the point where they can make sure they're monitoring people. Now, can you apply some of those things to track? That's where it's gonna be really difficult. Maybe you can say, cause it's 50 people, right? That you, <laughs> one event comes on and then they just leave the venue and then another event comes in. Jeez. But just thinking about, yeah, think about how they're gonna get there, right? The officials that you need. Like yeah. there's a lot of people involved in, in track and field, um, to put on a meet, right? Like a basketball game needs one, two, is it three officials? And then I'm guessing they have replacement ones in case they, they get hurt, right? Track yeah. and field has way more than three officials, right? Yeah. If you're putting on a full complement of, of events. Um, so I, yeah, that's, that's like something that I think another spot where you can get out of just the hypothesizing and think, okay, how would this apply to To track the other thing, I wanted to ask you about because another part of this that I didn't see coming is the impact on drug testing, and I don't know if you saw that coming either. You're you're a shrewd reporter. You have your ear to the ground. You're looking at all the angles. They call you all. They call you all angle strike around the office. Um, Yeah, actually, that was nicknames going back to high school. Actually, Uh, it's it. There was just an article, uh, a couple articles that came out this week from various athletes about this online. (laughs) This way, way to do drug testing online, which was which was pretty pretty interesting, and I saw Noah Lyles was quoted in in, in one story, um, but that's another thing that you need to take into account, right? Because you if you're competing, you want to have a level playing field.
1: Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. A, you know, full transparency. I didn't read those articles. I've been busy this week, but uh, I don't feel like. Y- y- that is a level playing field right now with as far as drug testing and this online stuff, and I, I don't know. It it seems like it's something where they would could say we need to not have competition this year because we haven't figured out that. I mean, they're doing everything on the fly, and uh, you can give me more background on on those on those articles and what exactly was going on with these online drug tests. But it feels like something that can be easily skirted, and and, and I mean, drug testing has been had has had holes in it's normal form i can only imagine that this is something that would say we can't have confidence we can't have competition in good faith because we don't have any idea if i understand the incentives aren't there to compete because there's no olympic qualifying um necessarily but i i don't know this just i i just just call 2020 and let's to go to 2021 I, you can provide me more back information about these online drug testing i didn't like i said i didn't read that but just on just hearing it and, and knowing the little information I do know about it doesn't seem trustworthy at all.
0: Well, they call the doping control officer on FaceTime or something. They talk to them, and then they leave the phone or tablet or whatever out. They give the sample. Because when they go to give the sample at their house, right, the doping yeah. control officer isn't in the bathroom with them. They're just waiting outside. Yeah. So it's similar, right? And then they... Uh, I think they said they can just, they gave, they give them tests, right? You could prick your finger. Uh, okay. Allison Felix is doing it too. Lyle's Felix. I don't remember the other people interacted track that are doing it as this is like a voluntary testing test of a test, I guess you could say. And then they send it in, they give them the information and then they, they mail it in and send it in um, to USADA. And
1: then they Okay, is everybody the, else across uh, the world doing that? Is every governing body asking for is every drug drug I, testing agency doing that?
0: No, and I think that's why when people were saying, <laughs> "Hey, why are we not counting? Why are we suspending marks achieved until December 1st?" and a lot of people are like, "That's terrible," but then you you had yeah. to kind of get galaxy brain with it and be like, "Well, you could be eating EPO for 3 months and then find a random 5k <laughs> and then and th- and then get your and then get your Olympic standard or get your get your ranking up, and I think that's yeah. that's that's not where my my mind immediately went because I like to think of the good in people, Lincoln. Um, right. right. So I didn't go there, which I guess I should be thinking more of the because there's there was a doping story just just this week, so <laughs> it's not like it should have drifted out of mind. The uh, 2017 London Marathon champion, Daniel Wanjiru, has been suspended by AIU for a ir- irregularity in his biological passport. So it's not like it's been a while since we've had a major doping
1: story. You'll never believe it, but he says he's innocent. It's a mistake. Listen, I don't know his yeah. guilt or, or not. Um, the uh, If I had a dollar for everybody who said it was some big conspiracy and or mistake, uh, I'd be able to afford this house I just bought. So
0: Yannis um, <laughs> Gian- no, is going to go in, have these with the, you, though
1: there you go uh you know it's useless to to speculate but obviously he was somebody who had you know he wasn't of the level of of kipchoge or anything uh that was the year kipchoge ran his first breaking two event um mm-hmm. and so he kind of had that that window but this is a guy who beat Kenanisa bekele and has been solid you know he's run 205 so this is a this is a big fly to drop here and uh, the AIU's been busy, right? And especially in Kenya, they got they got Wilson Kipsang uh, for tampering, mm-hmm. and now and now uh, for uh, for the biological passport. So yeah, another one bites the dust. Yeah. I guess.
0: Yeah, I I still want to know more about the Kipsang story. There seems to be that. Seems there's more there. I feel like I still want to know about like, the Kiprop story. That's the craziest one.
1: Well, because like, he's still tweeting about
0: it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on the podcast, Asbel. Come on the podcast. We will
1: uh we will definitely Kevin.selly yes, at
0: flowsports.tv or Lincoln.shrike. Yeah. Actually, what's your email address? It's confusing. People just email me. Yeah, All it's, right.
1: it's Lincoln.shrike. Here's Ken's Lincoln's. Se- here's
0: here's, here's yeah. cell here's here's Lincoln's <laughs> cell phone number. I'll just read it out right now. Uh, it yeah, starts with a, uh, a a one. Okay. Uh, yeah. another story I wanted to get to before we do before we read some email. Uh, you wrote last night about Alicia Monson. Turning pro,
1: yeah, I think the the consensus online was she was the first twenty twenty NCAA track and field athlete to to sign. If uh, if we had told her or really anyone that she would be signing with an agency on March or excuse me April sixteenth, I think we would have been like, what in the world happened to which she stopped her out senior outdoor season in the middle of the year to sign? No. Uh, this was was precipitated by Wisconsin kind of making the surprising call to not honor the NCAA's extra season of eligibility that they granted in the wake of spring cancellations. Uh, and she was quoted in in an article in a local paper saying, well, it kind of made this decision easy. So she signs with total, um, you know, she doesn't have a shoe sponsor yet. I'm wondering if this kind of, I mean, I, you, you kind of read the tea leaves. I have no idea. I'm not reporting this as they would say, but, you know, signing with total, uh, Stephen Haas is there, Stephen Haas has an Under Armour deal of some sort, uh, and he, and Wisconsin was an Under Armour school, Morgan McDonald signed with Under Armour, I I don't know, I obviously have no idea if that's going to be the situation, but if we're trying to game out which brand she's going to go with, uh, I mean, I think the odds on favorite at this point would have to be, would have to be Under Armour.
0: Are you trying to game out which brand she's trying to sign with, Lincoln?
1: I mean, there's not there's not a ton else to do right now. Um, <laughs> and d- who really cares? As you like to say, there's been three or four major sign- significant brand signings in like the last decade in American Track and Field. So it doesn't really matter. But when you have so little news, uh, you know, it's fun to, it's fun do you to speculate. Think, well, do you think
0: uh, – let's speculate some more here because we have time. Now her situation, it was forced. But do you think we're going to see more people make this decision just because there's so much uncertainty about the world right now? Yeah,
1: yeah I think uh, absolutely. Um, I, I do. I think you look at other sports, and I don't know. It seems like particularly in in baseball, they always say, uh, "Oh, when when one person when one person opens the door a crack, it's going to bust the door open eventually for everybody else." So I I, I think. Uh, even though she hasn't signed a, a contract yet, as far as you know, somebody that's going to be paying her, I do think we're going to start to see. I, I don't know when and if, but the Danny Jones, Joe Klecker, you know, maybe Devin Dixon, all, names like that, uh, Tyler Day, we'll, we'll start to see more more of this become a trend. Um, I know that the their brands are still worried about their bottom line, and so well, I don't know how that will change, but I think athletes signing with agents will will start to become more and more common now that one big name has done it Mm-hmm.
0: Oliver horror too i mean i guess the option is yeah. like you'd go and do a grad transfer year at some other school mm-hmm. or if you're i mean that just they've both won ncaa titles they've, yeah. they've achieved a lot already in their collegiate careers and the thought of like going somewhere different and having to go enroll right. in school somewhere different that seems like a Big burden at this point in their lives. Well, and and you don't even know if you're going to be.
1: Yeah, you don't even know if you're going to be able to go to campus in August. I mean, I think we're all assuming, but yeah, you want to transfer? Does Oliver Horo want to transfer to? I don't know, Washington, and and then be like, okay. I mean, I'm moving. Am I moving to Seattle? Am I am I taking? Am I taking courses online? I mean, you just don't know. There's so much uncertainty that I think you take the sure bet and you say, I'm going to turn professional. I, the, for those, yeah, particularly for someone like him, and obviously with Monson, when you when you don't have your school, the current school to fall back on, and a grad school program there, to where you can still compete, that makes the decision, as she said, quite easy.
0: Am I running in the meet or am I running in the virtual meet? I don't know what <laughs> I'm doing. I'm <laughs> I'm in a different city. Yeah, it's look. It allows her to start making a living off of something she's very good at. Um, right. What is tough is for athletes who aren't at the tier of Monson, but who wanted to use that extra year, and now they can't. That's tough. That's obviously tough for them because then they have to make the decision of do I just give up this last year or do I try to make it work at some other school? Good runners, maybe all-American caliber runners, but ones who aren't going to be getting a, a, a shoe contract, a deal right now.
1: Yeah. Can I can I just bring up a complete aside that I was just thinking of? I, I assume I can. We're we're just riffing here at this point, but
0: this this uh, is this is fifty percent your podcast. Well, I guess thirty three point three three percent your podcast.
1: So last night I was listening to your guys' this episode uh, on potential running movies and was very entertained at how different of people you and Gordon are, and I laughed a little bit in the middle of doing dishes when you brought up a, a potential Kathy Freeman movie and Gordon responded, "Where's the drama?" I said, That just killed me. I I just, I just. Where's the drama? Yeah, I don't know, man. You're right. No, no good story there. I just, I don't know. That's it. I mean, I, I know maybe maybe he wasn't as familiar with her like personal story, which I get that. Like, I know he's he's younger than you, and maybe not as good of a track historian back into the 2000s, early 2000s, or 2000 itself as me. But I just that that was that was pretty awesome. I just like. Did you know her story? Well, I mean, I knew she, you know, she grew up in the aborigine community and, 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 you know, I, I didn't know that the, the aside of obviously you said Michael Wilbon, like called it the best sports moment he's ever experienced. Uh, which is significant for someone who's seen as much as he had, and but the games being in in Sydney and her winning the four hundred and all that, uh, I don't know the, the the specific details, but we all no we we obviously we all don't Gordon didn't know, but you know the oppression that the Aboriginal community has endured in in, in Australia is. Is uh, significant, so that would I, I think that was probably the best option. Not just to pat you on the back, but I, I hadn't thought of that one, and I think that's that, that, that was just funny for me. Where's the drama? That that's a uh... and one critic a a, a writer for Flow Track says, "Where's the drama?"
0: <laughs> Two stars. I I my family lived in Australia for four years, and this was right after right. I was born, so I was too young to know about it. So this was in the eighties. Obviously, I didn't know much about it, but my parents lived there as adults. So when the Olympics were coming around and there were stories about Kathy Freeman, they they were able to me and fill in those gaps. So I, yes, I had more information. I wasn't the American sure. viewer sitting at home and watching this. Yeah. Uh, here's here's some homework for you, though, Lincoln. Go watch that race after we're done here. Go watch the Sydney Women's 400 Meter Final and try to get the whole lead up—not when the gun goes off, but yeah. do that whole like eight-minute thing where they're going through the lanes and then watch. On that wide shot, when they go off, how many flashbulbs go off in that
1: game? Yeah,
0: and see, I, and tell me you don't get chills watching that. Like right. it, it's insane. Also, body suits cool, and I think they should still have them. And she had the full one; right. it went over her head. Um, just you could feel the pressure. It reminded me of of watching on Super Saturday, Jess Ennis slot like, eight hundred at the London mm-hmm. Olympics, and you just the whole weight of the country like right yeah. there or Mo Farah that, that same night of just like and it was even deeper with Kathy Freeman with what sure. what she represented for Russia for, for so watch that this weekend
1: yeah no, I just got chills here and you explain that. And I and i have seen that race and I don't know. It's been either, you know, a long time. I don't, rem- I probably did not watch that when it happened. I probably confused my, the, the races I've only seen on YouTube to the ones I've seen in, in, you know, in real time or yeah. when I was a kid. Cause I would have been, I would have just been 10 during that, during that race and not at all interested in track and field. But the bodysuit's famous. And that was my first memory of her. You know, I knew who Kathy Freeman was because she wore a full bodysuit. Was that just a, a Nike thing. Why did she wear that? I I, I forget that. that Yeah. Reason. Uh,
0: it was supposed to be aerodynamic. It was at okay. Marion Jones. Were while too. There were some yeah. Nike athletes and they had done some technology. Like there's this whole feeling. is like a completely separate episode. But if you just, if you consumed the Olympics back the way the majority of Americans did, and probably the majority of people all across the world do of just like, okay, I'm going to turn into this tune into this once every four years TV show. It's about triumphs, but it's also about, like, not screwing up on a huge stage. Yeah. And, and like, gymnastics and figure skating embody that. Because, literally, it's just, like, I don't know anything about it when I'm watching it. But all I know, if they fall in figure skating, oh, that's bad. (laughs) If they they fall in gymnastics, it's bad. But it's the same thing with track. It was always, like, this person is the favorite. And if they can't do it, they're letting down this huge country. And here's this backstory that's going to make you cry before they start. And it was almost just like relief when they won, as opposed to, yeah. um, like excitement or being or yeah. being like thrilled that they did it. And that, for me, consuming that with Kathy Freeman, just like she wasn't. It took a lot for a non-American to be like the lead story in an event, yeah. and to get people rooting further than this is early 2000s. Like we didn't have the same amount of information. Like we weren't watching Kathy Freeman workout Wednesday and you weren't mm-hmm. following her on Instagram. You didn't know who she was training with or anything like that. It was just like, well, she's Australian and we're cheering for the people in the red, white, and blue, but no, not with her. Like with her, once you mm-hmm. saw your story, you're like, okay. And this was, I, mean, I was 16 years old, but it was like the impressionable portion of me was like, no, like she needs to win. She has to do this for her. it's in yeah. Sydney. Like, this needs no. to happen. This is perfect. Like, you're rooting for her um, to pull that off. But we got other movie re- recommendations. Uh, here's one from an email from Jeff. He runs through a, b- a bunch of them, but he says, uh, he says, I know it was made for TV movie, but has more potential Gale Devers. Her rise as a star athlete to be almost destroyed by developing Graves disease, almost losing her feet, recovering, and winning gold in Barcelona. And then obviously there was the infamous hurdle fall. Also, the hurdle uh flat double. I mean, Grant Holloway's yeah. done it now indoors, but like at the Olympic level,
1: That's it's kind of nuts if you think about That's it. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh Lopez LeMong, we got a couple for that for him, the yeah. Lost Boy. He's written That's... a book. Obviously that would be good.
1: Yeah, I don't know where, where uh, do you put the Paul Chalimo feud in there? Is that our is that? How much playtime does that get? Do do we have someone dressed up like a cheetah and a lion? I just no, I'm just kidding. Uh. That's the uh
0: that's the weird montage in the middle of like him walking through like airport and getting mobbed by paparazzi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Caitlyn Jenner story. Obviously, that would be. I I can't believe that hasn't been made yet. That's uh, in some form or fashion. 1968 Olympics. Uh. Entitled B- Black Power, obviously, uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Billy Mills story. So he has, Billy Mills has a movie, Running Brave.
1: Uh, yeah. It's
0: very old though. Uh, Catherine Switzer in the uh, Boston Marathon, the first woman to finish the Boston Marathon. That might be interesting too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Jeff also says, not so much about track and field, but the sort of Atlanta getting the 96 Olympics, the whole bidding process would be an interesting story like draft day, but maybe in the style of Big Short. And also, once a runner. Of course, lol. He adds. <laughs> Are you a big once a runner guy?
1: Uh, not really. I, I I I thought it was I thought it was overcooked. I mean, I think that's the point of it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But I I don't know The, the they lost me on the Depends whole. At like, what age? Yeah, it, it, they on lost the me. Four hundred. It, yeah, it's just like, and then he kept going. It's just like, dude, like like everyone knows like tw- 25 400s is like the absolute max like you can do that and then by like 20 you're like you you've forgotten your name and like you're you're so sick and you're vomiting in between which each one so the idea of doing like three times that is just preposterous it's just i know it's a fiction book but it's just like it 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 and and you know maybe that makes it a good read because everyone remembers that that workout from the mm-hmm. book, but maybe it could be done into a good movie. I just don't think there's enough. There's a not, uh, you know. Maybe you can buoy it with a good r- romance story, like you had your idea. If if the Elgar Rouge story didn't have enough, we could we could have a, a nice <laughs> yeah. romance story peppered in there. But I don't see Once a Runner being being capable. But uh, I I think if if it certainly makes for fun fodder these days, though. You know, something we can make fun of. And knowing everyone's read it, I mean, it's it's yeah. uh, it, it it serves its purpose in the uh, in the track and field canon. It's it's
0: it makes more sense of the movie when you realize, or a book when you realize, it's actually the Jim Walmsley origin story.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except it's a seventy-five mile repeats or whatever it was, sixty yeah. mile repeats. It's uh, yeah. I think I read that book. It's one of those where if you read it
0: um, when you're like, Hey, like, I don't know. I read it when I was, when I was too young and then I probably read it when I was too old. Like I missed it on like both sides, but I think more when I was too old. Cause I wasn't taking it as literally, I guess as, as, as you were, but
1: yeah. Um, if if you, if you haven't read this book, just imagine this basically in some forms, the Steve Prefontaine story, which is real. And then the catcher and the rye story, which is not real. Just smash those two together to me. And See, that's basically I what like it is. I like both of those. Yeah. <laughs> I like both yeah. of
0: those. So I guess this was in my wheelhouse.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Kevin wrote in. Yeah. He says, I can't believe no one mentioned Lopez Le Long. The book Running for My Life pretty much lays out the outline child soldier recruit to refugee camp to U.S. Olympian. Then everything he's done since, including a feud with Paul Chalimo. There we go. You and Kevin are on here the same, same wavelength here. Uh, we also got one here from, ooh. Okay, this one's from Brian. He's a frequent emailer to the House of Run, uh, a.k.a. Brian, the emailer formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Uh, He takes exception with our top eight Bowerman Schumacher coach-athlete moments. He said there were notable snubs.
1: Oh, okay. You ready? Let's hear it. Yes. Uh,
0: He says, if you're going to mention Woody Kincaid's 1258, time trial, you should probably mention Selinsky's 1255, 1256, or 1258.
1: Yeah, that's recency bias. That's recency bias. Well, that's the time.
0: The title of his email is literally recency bias. Uh, yeah, so good job. <laughs> he says Teg was wearing arm warmers in his twelve fifty eight and McDonald colorway LeLangs, not the prototype cheater spikes. For those playing along at home, the LeNang was a steeplechase spike that had a mesh upper and a Zoom Miler plate. Rip. Um, here's why. No, I'm not going to back down from this take. You oh. you are saying it's recency bias. I'm not going to back down. One, I think we covered Salinsky with twenty six fifty nine. I think once he ran the twenty nine assumed he would go under 13 and those were amazing times Times, but the 2659 was his best race agree or disagree with that
1: oh it's certainly the most memorable i don't know if who i, I think 2659 is probably uh on balance is is, is more impressive than 1255 yeah. but they're pretty close but whatever
0: okay and then we go to tag so tags 1258 versus kincaid's 1258 i mean Tag was an awesome. I mean, you you grew up in Missouri, right? The guy was mm-hmm. a stud from from yeah. the get go. Not to say Woody Kincaid was chop liver, but, but my point with with Woody Kincaid was it was showing what he could do with someone who wasn't necessarily uh, a, a Footlocker guy, uh, an NCAA All American multiple multiple times, right? Like Kincaid had a good college career, um, but just a, a massive personal best there. I mean. Teg ran, what did he do at pre that one year? 807 in the two mile. Like he was, yeah. he was a sta- he was an established star. Yeah. Kim uh, didn't have that until he joined Bowerman. So I will not back down. Now, number two, if you're going to mention the 2019 championships, you should probably mention the tw- 2009 USA's with Teg, Selinski, Jager going one, two, three, and Tim Nelson making the 10,000 team. The team was much smaller then, but nearly everyone made worlds. Okay, that'll concede his point. I probably should have included 09. Okay. A lot of dudes. I mean, uh, no, no, no women on the team then, though. I still think yeah. getting getting the volume
1: of people they got in 09,
0: uh, mighty impressive, but this probably should have been on the list somewhere.
1: Okay. Yeah. I forgot Tim Nelson was on the, uh, the Oregon Track Club, the, the artist formerly known as the Oregon Track Club, now Bowerman Track Club. Uh, yeah. I had forgot about that. I forgot kind of about Tim Nelson. But, uh, yeah. you know, he was a dude. He was a dude for a while. Yes, Evan Jaeger was approximately 14 years old when he made that team in 2009. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that I remember that that was right uh, at the start of let's see, that would have been summer. So that was then between the end of my high school uh high school time and started college so I, I i do remember that one and 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 Jager coming in i mean that was the most significant because of him making the team and him having made that that jump either that year or the year before to turn professional when that wasn't a thing people did i mean still not really a thing that distance runners do so uh yeah no that's a that's a good one that was a good uh you know definitely a, a fun moment for all those guys i remember them in the green. And all with the all with the little flags. That was a that was a cool moment. Yeah.
0: Okay, his next one. Ryan Hill's silver at World Indoor. Both you and I were yeah.
1: there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just with more time, I just you know, and, and I, I seen the reaction to when World Indoors got postponed and everyone basically greeted it with like a, a shrug. Listen, if he had won gold, if he had beaten Kajelka, uh yeah, big uh silver's good and he'll always have it i and i think but i just world indoors i mean nah, i can't i can't make that that's not bigger than uh, that's not even as big as you know woody Kincaid's 1258 i just i couldn't i couldn't give it too much weight it's indoors
0: yeah well i guess what he would say as well but you guys included the the schweizer american record houlihan Frerix. that's an indoor race too right I yeah guess, I guess ones, are, be- one's a
1: time and one's a yeah I, I i hear you and 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 you know hill was really he you know kick, from, 20, he from 2014 from 2014 to 2017 he was yeah he was money in the last couple of laps so uh i maybe maybe we're guilty of recency bias there but uh I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you who finished behind him. I, I know Kajelka won that race, but I, I just don't remember much about it. So if you're asking me, maybe in five years, I won't remember much about Chris Swiser's race. Um, but yeah. I, yeah. I don't remember. Uh, I remember he had a shot to win. And it, in going into the last lap, it wasn't like, oh, Kajelka's got this one. So he was there. He was fighting yeah. for it. But, yeah. I, but I, I don't recall much else. Uh, The last
0: two, he says, Enfeld surprise bronze at Worlds. And yeah. then Honorable mentioned Ted getting fourth at 07 champs on the 5K mm-hmm. by yeah. 0.04. We're spoiled now, but back then the Americans weren't meddling
1: like they are now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can listen I mean, to the in in a lesser,
0: yeah. Well, in a lesser group, those obviously would be there. But then you look and you're like, well, what are you going to kick off? And again, no. the reason why I'm putting the, the I believe the Schweizer and the ones were like the last two because those were the most time trially. But the reason yeah. the Schweizer Hulahan uh, Quigley thing gets on is because if not, it wasn't one person. It was the depth of it. It was three women yeah. completely smashing the time, and then also the fact that someone who's not even supposed to be the best one won the whole thing. And then with Kincaid, obviously we've talked about about him. So yeah, like when you win as many medals and big races and set as many records as that group does, um, yeah, I think if I was isolating it down to single races. Enfeld would pro- Enfeld and Flanagan, cuz she ran really well in that race too. Um she got 6th. I think it would be included. Yeah. But we made it we made it bigger and included like whole meets and things like that.
1: Yeah. I think to people of a certain age and it's kind of it starts with basically people about my age and goes through maybe people in their 40s and 50s. Teigenkamp and Selensky will always hold a special place in their heart because they were Competing with the East Africans in a, in a time when maybe that hadn't happened ever basically mm-hmm. so they were pioneers and right. in, in some sort obviously you know frank shorter won gold but the east africans weren't as prevalent back in his day and you know Bernard Lagat, I know he's from Kenya but he he had been crushing it in the in the mid-2000s as an American um but for some people who hold American born as more significant um I'm, I'm not making any claim right or well I, I do think that's incorrect but I understand why you know Solinsky and camp would be more appreciated maybe as being homegrown guys. Uh I, I think people hold them close to the to, to their to their hearts. That may be a little strong of a statement, but they just hold <laughs> they they make them significant because we didn't see guys running twelve fifty-five coming from yeah. uh, you know, Matt as far as Matt team cam coming from Lee's summit west or wherever he went in Kansas City. Like that didn't that wasn't a thing that happened. You know where like it came you saw, from. You're a Missouri yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Say, it uh,
0: say it with your chest if the kids say where did it come uh, from?
1: Well, he went to Lee Summit. I just can't remember which one. There's like four of them. They, they do them in every direction: Lee Summit, Northwest, and and and, and South, and whatnot. So he, he he's from Kansas City. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, Chiefs King. So so, yeah. so I yeah great. So I understand in that regard why those people remember the one the medal close call coming up .03 of a bronze medal in Osaka for Tegan Camp, and then and then the 2010 yeah. season that Sol- Solinski had. I get that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, just you look at Jake. You could go through like Jager's accomplishments too, right? Like because mm-hmm. then you could start putting like because then you could start putting like okay, Frerichs's American record, Jager's yeah. American record race. Like w- were yeah. those better than the? Is that better than a fourth place in a, mm-hmm. in a major championship? Um, especially with Infel, Um, that one gets harder because she got there but it's tough that's the whole point this is a tough list to get on <laughs> it's a tough list it is a very yeah. a very very good group
1: and if you want to split I mean, hairs really- going with, In- with Infeld's performance i mean if i remember correctly back to 2015 i think debaba Tiranesh debaba w- was out i think it was having a baby uh i don't remember uh, that was the start of Ayana's run, but there was someone else. I feel like that was missing that kind of the narrative. Well, okay. Oh, okay. 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 So maybe I'm misremembering Viv- did- where. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Ayana started in 16 and she, okay. Just, well, no, she started in, in, she, she won the fifth, she won the 5,000 in, in well, that's right. Cause I'm, she because she beat DeBaba and every and everyone thought DeBaba was untouchable that year. Um. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. But but yeah, there was some narrative to that. I mean, that's not what people are remembering relative to Emily Infeld. They're going to remember that she she just clipped yeah. Molly Huddle at the line. But they, you know that that race was a little weaker than it. Not to take anything away from the medal than than it would have maybe been other in previous years just based on where DeBaba was at in her career. But that that's. That's splitting hairs, and it's still it's still a huge moment. Well, and, uh, you know, getting a medal you know in the 10K is not easy.
0: Yeah. You know who else didn't make the list? Mohamed. He's got medals.
1: Yeah. I mean, I He's put him Bowerman? as my, as far as we, – we've been talking about Bowerman all week. So there's plenty of if, – if you feel underappreciated, go to one other piece of content because I did the top 10. <laughs> I did the top 10 Bowerman track uh, club athletes of all time, and I put Mohamed third. I mean, you look at it, his 2016 to, to 2019, or really mm-hmm. his 2015 to 2019. He's finished top 10 at Worlds six different times, split between the 5 and the 10K. Yeah. He finished fourth, I think, in Rio in the, in the, uh, the 5,000. And obviously this past fall was, was the bronze medalist in the 5,000. And then he broke 27 minutes in, in the 10K. If that was an American, we'd be losing our mind over this guy. I mean, it, it's, mm-hmm. he's, he's been rock solid for half a decade now.
0: Yeah, again, this was a tough list. Uh, yeah. I right, have one more here from Ryan, he's got another film recommendation. You didn't think of this one, Lincoln. You didn't think of the 1971 Dream Mile in Philly, did you? Nope, did you? No, nope,
1: nope. I don't even the way know this who's movie in it.
0: Shot. Well, I'll tell you, we'll be starting off no. having Jim Ryan as the good guy, but after go. he retires, change the viewer's perspective to Marty LaCourie going to this race. It was more hyped up than any other track meet ever. Like find another re- race where the media storms the finish line like the Super Bowl. There need to be something that makes Jim Ryan bad, and Marty Lecorier can develop a master plan to defeat him. Even though he would have lost it uh, if it was fast or came down to the final hundred. Yeah, I think. I mean, races about the mile are always going to be captivate- captivating. I think yeah, they have a they have like a leg it. up. Yeah, uh, another one here. Cody Cody's got a podcast he wants to plug. Oh man, oh. he runs for Portland State. Wow. Dang. College kids nice. are starting podcasts, Lincoln.
1: Go Vikings.
0: Yeah. Uh what's this thing? What is it called? People people always try to promote stuff, but then they never put the name of it. Oh, Portland State Vikings podcast. There you go. There you go. Oh, I see. It's it's all it's different. Is it all different sports in the same feed? Oh, they have one that's titled, Oh, they got a they got a prefontaine versus Galen Rup episode. Let's see.
1: Oof. That's, it. that's check that, that's that out. That's something I might click.
0: That's something yeah. I might click. Shout out to Shout out to Cody for already starting his podcasting career. That is smart, you because go. you could one day have a, t- a house in Taylor, Texas, uh, mm-hmm. like Lincoln, if, if you play your cards right. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, oh, this is, this is Jeff sent another good one about things that don't make sense, but it's a longer topic. We can save that one for later. He's asking about distances in college. Um, yeah. Building off of your and Gordon's uh, interesting debate about things that don't make sense in track and field. So mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't get into that now.
1: There's plenty. There's yeah, it's- plenty. Like, who decide the weight of a javelin? I mean, what is that? Doesn't make any sense. No, I'm just kidding. I. Uh, yeah. That was one of those. I decided that in the four minutes before we started recording to, to the topic. Because Gordon has taken, you know, he's been busy doing other stuff. He's taken to, We show up on the screen here, and he said, "All right, what are we talking about?" And I'm like, "Ah, uh, boom. Okay, let's go." And so, luckily, the man can talk for a while. So, um, but I think we've, yeah. you know, we've been, we've been uh, figuring out some good topics. We got to keep the momentum rolling, though, as we continue the months in quarantine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it was an interesting. It was interesting. What's what's fascinating of the common thread there on the women's side of things is whatever is set in high school carries through all the way to college, and then the pros. <laughs> whereas the men see like an increase be it in um, hurdle height or weights of throwing implements, yeah. right? Like it's and yeah. I idea it with a age of age of development, but it is interesting to think like the weight of the women's shot put for a 15 year old high school female is the same as it is for
1: yeah, Valerie Adams. That does not yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, Hey, that Throw, the, throwers can
0: fact check me on that, but at last, at last guess, that's what, That's what I saw. Speaking
1: of sports movies, uh, if you've seen Hoosiers, they point out that basketball hoop is ten feet in both their home gym and an arena, massive of massive proportions. And same for high schoolers, all the way up to the NBA. So you know, women and men. So maybe maybe that's the thinking, but they don't think like that on the men's side. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to start a movement. Me and Ryan Krause are going to start a movement to lighten the, the men's shot put. So,
0: <laughs> just chucking it all over the stadium. Yeah.
1: Just going to throw it over here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. That is it for the show. And this week on the Flow Track podcast, Lincoln, thank you yes. so much uh, for joining. And people can check out your videos with Josh Thompson and Chris Schweizer, two separate videos. They'll be on the site. Thank yeah. you to our super producer, Alon, who makes this show possible. We will talk to you guys on Monday.